Welcome to the Blogger Bites podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Urban. This is a podcast for bloggers, influencers, and content creators. Here, I'll share transparent advice plus emerging tools and platforms to empower you to establish your brand, serve your audience, and monetize your influence. I'm so happy you're here. In today's episode, I'm answering your burning blogging questions. I sourced these questions from y'all on social media and they really range from starting a blog to monetizing, managing your time, and more. I'll be doing this Q&A style, so let's just dive right in. How do I start a podcast? Well, I definitely don't know if I'm the most qualified to answer this seeing as I only started my podcast in October of last year, so at the time of this recording about five months ago, but I can share resources that helped me when I was first starting out and how I managed to launch my podcast with under $50. First of all, podcasting is so much fun. If you have the desire to start a podcast of your own, this is your sign to just do the dang thing. It has just been, like I said, so much fun connecting in a new way, sharing information in a new way, and learning a ton of new skills in the process. I want to give a major shout out to Megan Porta from Eat Blog Talk because this podcast simply would not exist without her. She encouraged me from the very start and has continued to be just so supportive. If y'all aren't already subscribed to her podcast, go over there right now and do so. She's amazing. She also has several episodes talking about starting your own podcast and tips for being a podcast guest if that's something that's of interest to you. She, along with other podcasting bloggers, gave me so much support and guidance. So my first tip is to reach out to your network and do your research. There are so many great videos on YouTube and TikTok, plus truly an abundance of articles. So start there. A couple tips that were really incredibly helpful to me were first, you're going to want to determine how long of episodes you want your podcast to be. Will it be solo or interview style? What's the frequency going to look like? What will you talk about? (laughs) Who is your audience? Do you have a goal associated with creating a podcast? And lastly, what is your key message that you really want to get across? So just for fun and to give you all a little insight, I try to keep my podcast episodes on the shorter side, which... I'd say it's pretty easy because I also follow a solo format rather than an interview style. I would love to interview creators in the future, but starting out, it was just more manageable for me to commit to solo episodes. So that's what you got. (laughs) And if you listen regularly, you know my podcast is for bloggers, influencers, and content creators. And I share how to leverage new tools and platforms, I share about social media trends, how to start a blog, and how to make money blogging. My goal for this podcast is to share the knowledge I wish I had when I was first starting out, as well as just share what new and exciting things are happening in the blogging space. When you decide to start a podcast, you'll need some equipment and tools. So here's what I use and enjoy, but just know that there's options out there. So again, do your research. So I learned very early on that the quality of your audio can make or break your podcast, but that doesn't mean you need to break the bank paying for a top-of-the-line mic. I use a budget-friendly 
I don't even know how to pronounce this, Tenor USB condenser microphone with a pop filter. That part's important, I know that. Assuming you already have a desktop computer or laptop, the next thing you'll need is software for recording and editing. GarageBand is free on Mac, so it's what I use and recommend. And if you don't have a Mac, Audacity is a free recording software with editing capabilities. More recording software options that are great, especially for recording interviews, include Skype and Zencaster. And lastly, Descript is an audio and video transcription service that's incredibly easy to use. You actually can get up to three hours of transcription for free and let me tell you, it's pretty dang awesome. Next, you'll need to decide on a podcast host. A host is where the podcast players like Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. get your episodes and show details from. You upload your episodes to your host and the players pull your RSS feed to allow listeners to find and listen to your content. I use and love Buzzsprout for its low cost, easy to navigate dashboard and customer service, but again, you've got options. The last thing to consider before getting started is cover art. I created mine using Canva, but you could go all out and hire a graphic designer if you want and really make yours special. It is up to you, but I want to encourage you to go for it, start that podcast and let me know about it. All right, next question. What deliverables can I pitch brands for a sponsored post? This will likely depend on the type of content you already create or are interested in creating, plus what niche you're in and of course what the brand is actually looking for. However, common deliverables include branded images, short format videos with the brand's product featured, long format videos with brand integration, maybe some messaging. Um, it could include a review. If you're a food blogger, it will probably include recipe development using the brand's product. And honestly, the list goes on and on. These deliverables can be shared to your blog, on your social media, within your email newsletter, really anywhere your audience is. How do you grow your traffic as a new blogger? I think it's so important to diversify your referral traffic, whether you're just starting out or you've been blogging for a while. You're able to check on your traffic using Google Analytics and do a little deep dive to see where your traffic is actually coming from. Common places include Google, Pinterest, Facebook, web stories, being featured in an article or roundup, and just directly from your emails that you're sending out. So as a new blogger, it'll take some time for your post to show up in Google search results, but you can take matters into your own hands, uh, you know, to a certain extent, <laughs> and try the channels I mentioned above. Of course, if you're new, most of these platforms won't have hundreds or thousands of followers quite yet, but it's important to stay consistent with posting. Just like it takes Google a while to index your posts, the same can be said for Pinterest. So I highly recommend utilizing Pinterest. I have a few episodes covering my strategy there, so be sure to check those out. But I also suggest starting a Facebook page and possibly even a private Facebook group that directly aligns with your niche. There are also Facebook groups with bloggers and media outlets looking for posts to feature in their upcoming posts. So join those groups and drop your links when it's relevant. Those are incredible opportunities. 
Now, Google Web Stories is something I've talked about a ton, and it's because they can drive significant traffic to your blog, and it doesn't rely on followers or anything like that. If you create a web story that gets circulated, you can see remarkable results when it comes to increased page views. And lastly, start building that email subscriber list from the beginning. You can set it up so you email them once a week, once a month, or whenever you do a new post. It's yours, and so it's up to you. And of course, don't look past creating great content with keywords users are actually searching for. Where should I promote blog posts after publishing? Well, this depends where you have an active audience, but for me personally, after publishing a new post or updating a blog post, I will share on my Facebook page, in my private Facebook group, and in other relevant Facebook groups. I'll create at least one new pin and save that to Pinterest on a relevant board. I'll also make sure it's scheduled out in an email to my subscribers, and I'll also create a web story directing users to that post. And P.S. I've mentioned Google Web Stories a couple times now. If you're not familiar with what they are, check out my previous episode where I covered them in depth. So anywho, those are the main places I promote my posts after publishing. Again, like I don't think you need to use all of them, but it's what works for me. And you really want to check your analytics to, you know, see that ROI. What is an email welcome series? An email welcome series is a sequence of automated emails sent out to new subscribers to welcome them to your email list. It helps them understand who you are, the type of emails and content they can expect from you, and it really just establishes brand awareness from the get-go. For example, when a new subscriber joins my email list for my main blog, my food blog, they're immediately sent an opt-in freebie, which is currently an ebook. The following day, they are sent an email that includes my top five recipes and more about who I am and why I started my blog. Then there's a three-day time delay before sending another email with relevant information to my niche, another three-day time delay with a final email, again, with information and links relevant to my ideal audience. Once they finish the workflow, they are then automatically placed into my normal email subscriber list and will receive those standard emails once a week. So your welcome series can be one or two emails or it can be several. It's really up to you, but I do encourage you to check analytics and insights to help guide your decisions once it's set up. Any tips for better time management? Oh my gosh, I used to feel like time management was like my super strong suit, but honestly, I go back and forth on it now. So first of all, thank you for thinking that I've got my my stuff together. (laughs) I do think that being organized helps me a lot with my blogging business and probably does contribute to time management. Um, but I also just think it's important to give yourself working hours. So for example, an ideal day, I'm waking up, eating breakfast, drinking my tea, then heading to my desk around 9am. And then I start by going through emails and look at my to-do list for the day. I should also add, I create a weekly to-do list. So I know what I'm working on each day of the week. And if I need to, 
Of course, I'll adjust tasks around, but it's helpful to have that already written out so I'm not just sitting in front of the computer waiting for something to happen. Anyway, day-to-day can really vary, but I like to get the most important work done before lunchtime, which is typically around noon. So I give myself those solid hours to just knock that out. Then I have lunch, try to disconnect, head back into my office and check that to-do list. I personally like wrapping up around three or four in the afternoon. So I have a few hours again, just to knock stuff out and get it done. So for me, what helps with time management is also I got to get in the groove. So I'll put on some focus music and just, just knock it out. I personally enjoy batch creating, so I'll dedicate an entire day just to writing or just creating content, just editing. That way I'm able to motivate myself based on momentum rather than jumping from task to task. All of that to say, I think giving yourself a schedule is helpful and planning ahead so future you knows what the heck to be working on. What are the best resources for learning how to blog? Well, there are several, and I'm so grateful for that. First and foremost, podcasts are an incredible way to learn more about blogging. My favorites include Eat Blog Talk, Food Blogger Pro, The Vine Podcast, and The Blogging Millionaire. I'm also a Facebook group girly, so I recommend finding groups that fit your niche. Food Blogger Central is incredibly popular for food and recipe creators. There's also an abundance of information online, on YouTube and on TikTok. Just make sure that you trust who you're taking advice from. And also don't be afraid to put yourself out there and connect with other creators. That's how masterminds are formed. And let me tell you, it is so nice to have these small groups of bloggers who know what you're going through and know what you're dealing with day to day. And lastly, be on the lookout for conferences, in-person retreats, and online summits. What should you do when your traffic is stagnant? I would suggest doing some investigating in different places. First, was the drop significant across the board or did one big post lose its ranking? You can find both of those in Google Analytics and Google Search Console. If it's a site-wide issue, you should really reach out to your host or another tech expert. They might be able to find a technical issue that's a quick fix. If you lost a ranking, however, consider what you can add to the post to bolster it up. Do the photos need updating? Does the post fully answer questions people would have? Is it following SEO best practices? You could also do some social promotion for the post on Facebook and Pinterest. Plus, highly recommend creating a web story, directing that traffic to the post, or even try to get a backlink for it by going into those Facebook groups with calls for links. Next, if the drop doesn't seem to be coming from organic traffic, try to figure out where it was from. Were you creating a ton of web stories that would get picked up and drive lots of traffic but took a break? That could be your answer right there. Or if Pinterest drives a significant amount of traffic, look into your profile and analytics there. Years ago, I noticed something off with my traffic, looked into Pinterest and ended up discovering my account had incorrectly been marked as spam. So I had to reach out to Pinterest support and I encourage you to do the same if that's something that you suspect. Lastly, consider writing new content using keywords that are searchable and relevant to your audience. Try not to panic week after week, 
look at your traffic as a big picture and try comparing traffic from the previous quarter or even previous year. What is the etiquette regarding sharing on social media when you're a guest on a podcast, have been quoted, etc.? This is a fun one. If you've been a guest on a podcast, shared a quote for a website, or even completed a freelance writing piece, it's a good idea to share to help distribution, promote what type of content you're an expert on, and there's plenty of other reasons too. I don't think that there's one standard way to go about this. It can be a quick share, a short and sweet caption explaining what the content is about with a link or even a longer caption going into detail on what to expect from the podcast episode, article, what have you. Do you have any tips for getting onto Mediavine? In case you didn't know, Mediavine is an ad management platform that requires blogs to have at least 50,000 sessions within the previous 30 days to be eligible to apply. I can speak from personal experience that this takes a lot of hard work, time, and dedication, but wow, 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 is it worth it? So if you're getting close to that 50K mark and need an extra bump, here are some of the things I did for my food blog that I recommend you try out. Share your blog posts in Facebook groups that relate to your niche or the topic of your recipe. Do this consistently, but don't be spammy. Make sure you're utilizing your email list if you have one. Your subscribers want to hear from you, so remember that. Create web stories with call to actions leading users to click through to those blog posts. And this one's a long game, but utilize Pinterest to drive traffic to your blog. And lastly, just continue writing blog posts with searchable keywords and update posts when you can. This one's sweet. How are you preparing for maternity leave? So I'm actually going to be chatting all about this with Megan over at Eat Blog Talk. So be sure to subscribe to her podcast and keep an eye out for that episode. But in short, I've been trying to automate as many things as possible. So my newsletters are mostly scheduled out for the year. New subscribers instantly get their freebie download and are loaded into my welcome series. And Facebook is pretty much on autopilot as well. In terms of blog content, I'm doing a huge push to clear my backlog of recipes that haven't been turned into posts yet. I'm also doing keyword research to identify high volume, low competition keywords that I think I'll be able to rank for. And rather than scheduling these posts out week after week or what have you, I've just been publishing them as they're ready. That way I can promote them on social media and they have time to get indexed. I have been doing some sponsored posts and freelance work, but I've scaled back significantly to focusing on creating those new blog posts. I don't have a date in mind for when I plan to take my leave, but I'm hoping by the end of summer, I'll have everything set where I'm happy and can step away for an extended break. There were a lot of questions regarding pitching brands, negotiating campaigns, managing a Facebook group, how to make web stories, and how to utilize Pinterest to drive traffic. For all of those answers, check out my previous episodes where I really do a deep dive on each individual topic. I hope this Q&A was fun and informational. I really enjoyed collecting these questions as it gave me a chance to do a lot of reflection as well as connect with y'all. With that, season one of the Blogger Bites podcast has come to an end. Thank you so, so much for showing so much support to me and the show. Your ratings, reviews, and messages have truly each meant so much to me. 
I'll be out on leave starting at the end of the summer, but would love for you to keep in touch either via DM or email. All of the episodes will remain up. My blog posts on bloggerbytes.com are still there and I'll still be around, so don't be a stranger. Thanks again for joining me, Jenna Urban, and this episode of Blogger Bites.